Hey everyone, Jamie here. I'm really excited to be dropping this supersized R-H-O-B-H episode your way before the official end of the season this week. Uh, Piper and I are going to be getting deep into the weeds of the Lisa Rinna, Kathy Hilton, Kyle Richards dramatic triangle that's unfolded at the end of the season. But I just wanted to quickly hop on before the official start of the episode just to let you guys know that we did record this over a week ago. So we recorded this before there was this controversy that's erupted in the social media sphere where Lisa Rinna allegedly perhaps is behind this burner Twitter account that was saying all sorts of really nasty and negative things about Kathy Hilton and Paris Hilton. And so if you're listening to this episode and wondering why we're not talking about it, it's because it hadn't happened yet. I typically record my episodes at least a week, if not two or three weeks before I actually publish them. Because as you know, they tend to be pretty long and I edit them and they require work. So having said all that, I still think um, everything we touch on this episode connects and relates to everything that's been unfolding over the last few days. And I guess I will just say for context, because I'm not sure I explicitly state this in the episode, I do actually believe that Rinna is telling the truth about what happened in Aspen. Um, I don't doubt the story. However, you know, as you'll hear in the episode, I do also believe that she's completely weaponizing it to um, serve her agenda to expose and to punish and to humiliate. And we will get into all of that. And um, if it is true that Lisa is behind this burner account or has something to do with this burner account, to me, it really fits in with the pattern of having a driving need to punish and to expose and a feeling in her like if in her mind, justice isn't being served. It's got to get served somehow, and she's going to do it any way possible. So having said all that, enjoy the episode. And as always, I look forward to hearing your thoughts, comments, and intuitive insights. Bye. Hi, and welcome to Deep Dive with Jamie Stein, where we take a deep dive look at all things reality TV, pop culture, and the world at large. I'm an intuitive and an empath, which means I pick up on the thoughts, feelings, and energy percolating in other people in the world around me. I believe there is meaning waiting to be found at every turn, if you're willing to see it. So join me as we dismantle everything from trash TV to high spiritual concepts and learn more about ourselves, each other, and how we're all connected. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Deep Dive with Jamie Stein. I am your host, Jamie Stein. And um, yeah, just taking a a deep breath because today's the day we're going to dive into the topic du jour of all of Housewives' land the drama at the center of the home stretch of this latest season of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, the drama that I know everyone wants to unpack, know more about, and explore. I am, of course, speaking about none other than the Aspen drama, the drama that has emerged between Elisa Rinna, Kathy Hilton, and Kyle Richards. So... There's a lot to unpack here, and 
given that there's a lot to unpack, there's no one who I could think of as better suited to the task to join me in this exploration than good, 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 cherished friend of the podcast, Piper Sample. Hello, Piper. Hi, Jamie. How are you today? I am coming back from vacation, so feel inspired by the canyons and all that I saw. So I'm I'm really relaxed, and we're meeting on a Monday instead of a Friday. So going into the week instead of out. <laughs> yes, I too. I feel. I don't know if I'd call it relaxed. <laughs> I feel slow. And I feel like that's just the perfect place to be for untangling mm-hmm. what feels like a very convoluted mess. And I will say I'm still in New Mexico and I'm literally looking out at miles of, of desert hills and mountains. So we'll just bring in the canyons and we'll bring in the uh, the desert and we'll bring in the mountains and ask for their assistance in, in serving the women of Beverly Hills who who put their lives out there on the lines for us to to look at, to relate to, to judge, and to dissect. <laughs> so, yes, having said all that, there is this drama that has emerged on Beverly Hills. Anyone listening to this, I'm sure, is already familiar with it, but I guess just to give a little bit of a recap... Um, they went to a cast trip to Aspen. They stayed at Kyle's house. Um, there was some sort of off-camera kerfuffle that happened at an after-hours club in Aspen where Kathy Hilton apparently had started to have a temper tantrum. She started to have a meltdown. Maybe it had to do with the fact that no one would join her on a conga line. Maybe it had to do with the fact that she requested a Michael Jackson song and the DJ wouldn't play it for her. Whatever the case, she had a meltdown. Apparently, she was yelling at Kyle. Lisa Rinna got her out of there. And then, according to Lisa Rinna, um, again, all off camera, Kathy continued to have a meltdown in the sprinter van on the way home. And then back at the house, she continued to have a meltdown that apparently involved yelling, screaming, insulting all her cast members, stomping on her glasses. Lisa Rinna was shook by it, as she has reminded us many times. And she locked herself in her bedroom. And in the aftermath of that, Kathy, it seems, wanted to just kind of sweep it all under a rug. And as we've all seen, Lisa Rinna is basically sitting there saying, hell no, we're not sweeping this under the rug. You're going to have to answer for this. I want an apology. Kyle deserves an apology. Apparently the whole group deserves an apology. And I think it's safe to say from everyone's viewpoint, uh, Rinna ain't letting this go. And it's, it's, uh, she, she, she's holding on to it. You're going to have to pry it from her dead cold fingers um, before she will sort of feel at peace with the situation. And so, yeah, part of what Kathy was apparently raging about was Kyle. And apparently she said some mean, cruel, vicious things about Kyle. So there's a lot here. You know, there's, there's Lisa's, Rinna's investment in whatever this is. There's whatever is underneath Kathy's meltdown in the first place. And then, of course, there's everything it brings up between Kathy and Kyle and what's going on there. So we'll just take it piece by piece. Obviously, I don't think we can get to the true heart of everything, but hopefully we'll find a few choice threads to dig our teeth into and see where it wants to go. So having said all that, I mean, as much as I... I, God, I I talked about this previously on the podcast. I always, always, always have this resistance to going towards Lisa Rinna because I always start to feel a little overwhelmed as we explained before. But I, I, if I'm checking in with myself, my first impulse 
is to go towards Lisa Rinna and to really start exploring what is at stake for her here. What exactly mm-hmm. is her investment in holding on to this so tightly and making sure that Kathy Hilton answers for something? And yeah, just what is underneath all of this? So, you know, I have some of my own initial thoughts. I've been kind of poking around just uh, on my own sort of before the podcast, but I'm curious maybe before I even get into anything, have you had kind of like an initial impression from watching the show of just what you feel is going on for Lisa Rinna in all of this, particularly like that sit down with Kathy and, you know, just kind of how brutal that whole thing was. Yeah. It's, I, it's really hard for me to understand, I guess, what her, as you're calling it investment is like what, it's like a dog with a bone. Like what, what is her inability to let this be just between Kyle and Kathy? And why is she so shook by it? I have to go back to what I initially saw Kathy get upset about when I first watched the episode when they were in the bar and Kathy is obviously there promoting her tequila. It's, you know, part of her, whatever her, I'm part of the reason she's probably on the show on some level, but there was kind of a slight happening there where like, I don't know if it was intentional on Lisa Renna's part, but it was definitely a, I'm ordering 818 tequila, which is not the tequila that Kathy has been promoting this whole trip. (laughs) And it felt like a poke of some sort. And clearly we saw Kathy get upset about it. There was like, you know, the under the mic things that were going on. So I felt like she was activated on some level, Kathy already, um, before they even went to the bar, Kyle had made some remarks about what she was wearing and you can't wear this going in. So I have a feeling like Kathy was a little primed going in triggered on some level around something. So I'm not sure if that's part of what happened for Kathy, but in terms of Lisa Renna, I just, I'm just curious about Lisa's relationship with Kathy. Yes, I think you're absolutely right. I think there was a genesis around the issue of the tequila. I absolutely think it was an intentional poke. It was an intentional slight on Renna's part. So I, I did do some kind of like, investigating some intuitive investigating about just the tequila and yeah kind of to your point Kathy's presence on the show and Lisa's relationship to Kathy's presence on the show again let me just take a breath because it it feels like there's so much here there's like so many different threads that get interwoven so I'm just trying to kind of dismantle it all piece by piece because there's so much that's layered into it What I was aware of, so watching the show, what I was aware of, when Kathy brought up her tequila, the first time on the trip was the night before, right? When they were all at, not Kyle's house, but the other house where the other women were staying at. And Kathy, and they were kind of in the flow of the ensemble dynamic. There was a drama brewing around Erica and her earrings. They were also laughing. They were having a good time. And then Kathy just kind of plops herself in the middle of it. And really interrupts the flow to trot out her tequila, Casa de Sol, I think is what it's called. And, you know, let's make a toast and clearly trying to corral everyone into basically a pretty awkward product placement or plug for the tequila. 
Now, what I think was interesting about that was it wasn't just Rinna and Kyle who clearly were annoyed by it. I mean, everyone, when you watch it, clearly was sort of rolling their eyes a bit. I mean, even Sutton had something to say about it. And then actually what happened was they flashed back to all the different times that we didn't even see uh, where Kathy was promoting the tequila, including the Christmas party at Diane. Is it? It's Diane, right? Not Diana. <laughs> this, this goes Diana. to show how memorable her presence is. I think it's Diane. Is it Diana? Diana Jenkins. Diana. And that apparently is where Kathy first rolled out her tequila because that was her first appearance on the show that season. And so the reason why I mm. mention this is I do think there's an important context to all this that feels really present to me, which is the fact that Kathy didn't show up until halfway through filming. And the story behind that, again, I don't, I'm assuming you don't know about this. She actually held out for more money. Like she held out in terms of con- contract mm. negotiations. I mean, she did have Paris's wedding. So I think that was occupying a lot of her attention, but the, the, the news circulating in the, in the blogosphere is that Kathy wanted more money. She was holding out for more money. And so it's interesting to me because, you know, there is that layer of the fact that they are producing a show. And sometimes, even mm-hmm. though I, I, I'm aware of that to a good degree, sometimes I, I think maybe I can even underestimate the role that plays. Cause it's interesting. I've been rewatching a lot of Real Housewives of New York, and I just watched the season where Tinsley left in the middle of the season. And I don't know if you remember this, but at the in the finale party, um, what's her name? Leah starts to do a final toast. And she says, and I want to toast to Tinsley for bringing me in this group. And Dorinda, this was like Dorinda's last season where she was completely unhinged. And she just, don't say that name. And then she starts going off about she breached her contract she abandoned us in the middle of the season you know and then at the reunion she doubled Mm -hmm. down and just said you know she left she left us all to slug it out it should be about us who stayed and that was just so striking to me that sense of you know we stayed we're here we're slugging it out so bringing this back to beverly hills and maybe even specifically to rinna and stuff i've explored on the podcast before i'm just so aware of okay here's kathy hilton okay already has so much rank and power in this group just by virtue of who she is her wealth you like she was a get for the show right and she's incredibly powerful incredibly influential incredibly rich you know my understanding is this is a woman who you typically don't want to cross you don't want to be on her bad side she has a lot of power right rank and privilege she comes into this circle right she comes into the show and Part of Kathy's shtick, which, by the way, I think is interesting given what triggered her in Aspen, right, being poked, part of her shtick is she, you know, she's the jokester. She likes to poke. She, you know, she she gets sayings wrong. She has a very, what I think is a very cultivated act where she just sort of plays the devil may care, charming woman. People forget that, no, like she's actually like an insane, rich white woman you know and i don't mean that like in a in a mean or it's just she is who she is right um she pokes with something specific yeah and she (laughs) thinks that she pokes with are part of her yes and she's and she she presents it in a very she's very good at presenting it in a very kind of light charming way right so basically what i'm saying is she came out of that 
first season she was on, Smelling Like Roses. Everyone loved Kathy, right? So here's this woman. She shows up to the show. She gets to be light. She gets to be charming. Everyone loves her. She also has sort of this power and privilege. You know, she's sort of like... She, she just feels like she's on a different level of sorts, right? So then comes the second season. She's holding out for more money, you know? And she's not even there for half the season. And I can imagine as these women, and I'm going to get even more specific into how it might land with Rinna specifically, but as like a group and as these women, it's like we're here in the trenches, in the mud, getting mud on our face, you know, making a show you're the super rich woman who already is kind of above reproach because of all your power and privilege and rank. You're holding out for more money. I'm assuming Kathy is getting more money as a friend than any other friend has gotten. I mean, I don't know how much money she's getting. I wonder how comparable it is to a full-time housewife salary. I mean, probably not as much, but I have this feeling she's getting more money than most people get to be a friend of the show. You know, so it's kind of like, I can kind of see as these women... If we're in here duking it out, slugging, slugging it out, really kind of like throwing our hearts and our lives and our souls on the line to be judged. And again, like I said at the beginning, dissected, disseminated. Exposing, exposing their vulnerabilities. I mean, you know, look at Erica Jane's situation going down. I mean, Lisa Renna specifically, the loss of her mom this season. So I think that there's... Um, type of vulnerability that Kathy also stays away from alongside this that you're saying maybe is separating them out like she just she just cuts it off when she doesn't want to talk about something if she doesn't want to get into it she leaves you know she's able to just I don't go there I won't go there and I I'm curious about that piece as well um that's been in the fray yeah, because, I mean, to your point, the muttering off camera, she specifically said, I'm not making this an issue. Like, yeah, it's clear. she There are things she she wants things left off camera. She There's stuff she wants on camera that sort of serves her and works for her. And so I did. I did drop into her towards the tequila specifically. Uh, mm. Just kind of holding the tequila bottle. Because, again, it's like, you know, I mean, yeah, obviously she's there to plug it. And But, again, this is a woman who has everything. It's not like, I, I don't know, it... it it, it sort of strikes me as interesting. She's not like the typical housewife who maybe is desperate for some kind of success, right? Because this is like how they're going to earn their living. So it was just interesting to me because when I dropped into Kathy towards the tequila, it really was this sense of, yeah, I'm doing this the way I want to do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm getting out of this what I want to get out of this. Like I, I call the shots. I'm in control of the situation. I'm doing this show for more money. And then I'm using the show how I want to use the show. And I'm getting out of it what I want to get out of it. And it almost, it's such an overused expression, especially on Beverly Hills, going back to Lisa Vanderpump. But the way it comes through me really is kind of like a chess master who's like arranging the chess pieces on the board. And as Kathy Hilton, like I'm the one who calls the shots. I arrange the pieces where they go. I am getting out of this what I want to get out of it. And I'm used to getting the things that I want how I want them. Going back to kind of like what this must feel like from the group perspective, it's like you've got this woman who sort of shows up halfway, isn't getting her hands dirty on some energetic level that I'm sure they can pick up on is feeling like she's sort of calling the shots, you know, controlling the game and then injecting into that, hey, you guys got to talk about my tequila. And what I think is so interesting is that night before her breakdown, when she, you know, she wanted to make the toast, she literally said, 
guys, let's do a bottoms up. You know, referencing one of her cute little pranks the previous season that everyone loved. And that's the moment I think where Rinna and maybe Kyle are just like, ah, no. And, you know, to me, again, it really speaks to that sense of like, oh, here you are playing into the persona, using this for what you want to use it for, not getting your hands dirty, holding out for more money. So I can, from that point of view, I can understand the resentment and I can understand the voice in the group that might be saying, we're not here to play your game. And actually (laughs) you're here to play our game and you are in the mud with us. And this is where we actually have some form of power control. Now, the last thing I'll say about this, I know I'm saying a lot all at once. Um, I think for Rinna specifically what I felt as I sort of took in Kathy wanting me to order the tequila because, you know, I explored in a previous episode Rinna's, you know, what I'm hypothesizing as Rinna's sort of energetic experience with this, um, yeah, this experience of like being in the trenches with someone or being in the mud with someone being in collusion with someone somehow, whether that's Lisa Vanderpump or being in the mud in her conflict with Kim, but then somehow she's hung out to dry while other people don't have to answer for what they've done. And it's like, I sort of take in Kathy as this woman who is beyond reproach. You know, she's someone who doesn't in a lot of ways have to answer for things, but then you're asking me to like play ball with you and drink your tequila and pimp it out. And the expression I heard was like dance monkey dance. And as Lisa Rinna, it's like, I'm not fucking, I'm not your fucking monkey, Kathy. And I'm not dancing Mm -hmm. for you. And okay. The last thing I'll say is I also think that's interesting because I do feel like, I feel like that experience of dance monkey dance is something Rinna tends to have an energetic relationship to. So like in the past where she has been called out for things and she's gotten into trouble, what does she do? She starts to tap dance. She prostrates herself. I'll never forget that one season where she got called out for like bad mouthing Kim and saying she was close to death and everyone got mad at her. They were on some trip like in Mexico or something. And the next morning they're all on like some yacht having a yacht brunch. And I think, oh, they play one of Erica Jane's songs. I think it's like, it's expensive to be me or something. And Lisa gets up on the table, starts dancing provocatively, sexy. The husbands are cheering. The women are catcalling. And I remember just feeling so, it it really, it landed with me in such Mm -hmm. an ugly way because it's like you're, I mean, it's almost like you're kind of prostituting yourself out right now. You're trying, you're literally dancing. You're literally dancing to get back in everyone's good favor. So I just say all this to bring in all the different layers where I feel like Rinna has some relationship to, oh shit, I'm in trouble now. Maybe it's not quite even fair, but I'm going to do what I got to do to prostrate myself, betray myself to get back in people's good graces. So it almost feels like there's a trigger there. Uh, to me for her around what it means to be sort of dancing for the benefit of other people. And then yeah, Kathy coming in this woman beyond reproach who's saying, yeah, dance for me, pimp my tequila. And that's the place where Lisa's like, no fucking way I'm taking back my power and control. And yeah, what was happening at that bar circling way back around to where we started is I'm not drinking your fucking tequila, Kathy. And actually Mm -hmm. I'm going to poke you. And the last thing I'll yeah. say is, and I think that's what started to unravel Kathy, because Kathy likes to be the one poking. She does not want to be poked. Exactly. And that's if we could go back to the question, what is Lisa's, you know, what is she vested in? For me, it's the control. I'm going to top you. I'm going to do it in some way. I'm going to take back the control and then I'm going to use it. 
and I'm going to use it to create some chaos, to get other people out of control. And then I'm the good time, good time, Charlie, you know, like she's, she kind of comes in with some sort of way that she's untouchable somehow after that, which it's clearly to me, not, she's so still stuck in something and she kind of plays it off. Like I've just freed myself up from it by saying I'm in control, but she's still got her hands around something that she's controlling. And to me, I think that's where she gets stuck in the being in the middle of something that as she's in the middle of it, like the damage that she is doing, you know, the, the impact that she has on with these sisters, you know, like it's, I, it was actually really hard for me to watch that sit down with Kyle and Kathy. I mean, it was painful. Oh, it was brutal. It was brutal. It was dark. I mean, this is, this is, I mean, Beverly Hills has always been dark. <laughs> I feel like the season's <laughs> getting like darker than it's ever been. I mean, just to respond, to touch on what you said, again, there's so much here. One element that I am so curious about for Lisa Rinna, and I'm curious to get your take on it, is the way that she seems to relish specifically poking at people um, like when they are having these meltdowns or they're having extreme reactions because it's like, obviously we've seen it, like she won't let go of what she's calling Kathy's psychotic break. You need to get help. I'm concerned for you. And then I think back to the Denise Richards drama where she sat there and sat back and said, oof, you're so angry. There's a way that Lisa perceives people when they're having a breakdown, the mask is slipping, they're revealing some time, some kind of charged or triggered emotion. And then that's the particular place where it seems, or one of the places where it seems like she likes to say, gotcha. And she kind of likes to poke them there. And I get so curious about what that particular flavor is for her because what it also makes me aware of is she's someone who her like her own patterns of rage and regret like I feel like she gets really worked up about things but then again she'll have to pay a price for it you know what I mean like she when her conflict with Kim was first brewing way back when and Kim at first it seemed like was kind of the chief antagonist in the situation I remember it sort of came out at the reunion I think that Lisa Rinna had then sent Kim Richards like these rage texts and Kim Richards brought it out and you could tell that Rinna was embarrassed and there's just this relationship to rage regret and so in this place where it seems like Rinna acts out or you know does something messy and then regrets it or has a shame spiral or is held responsible for it in some way that to me just feels linked to the way that she'll then kind of point a finger at other people and get this kind of like charge out of seeing where they're fucking messy. For me, it feels like the deepest cruelty. It's like rubbing a dog's nose when they've peed. You know what I mean? It's like after they've already recognized, oh, I shouldn't have done that. It's like I saw it and I am never going to let you forget that I have seen this. I, I am refusing to let this go unacknowledged in such a huge way. And like you said, it is when there is some sort of crack there. It's not, it's not before something is cracked. It's when it is actually 
slowed down enough to where there is some acknowledgement because in that exchange, you know, with Kathy and Kyle, it was like, they got to a place like we're sisters. We fucking know each other. We've been around this block before, you know, there's something that happens with family and sisters where, you know, when people blow off steam or do the thing, whatever they said, it's like, they, I know they don't mean it, whatever, whatever might've been happening for Kyle in that moment. But Lisa was like, you can't let this go as if it had anything to do with her. I don't, I, that's the piece I just, I can't, this is what I want to know from you. What was, if you tap into what it is, what Lisa is so invested in, in terms of forgiveness between Kyle and Kathy, because there was something about it not it's just not okay. Yeah, I have something to say about this. So let me get to that in one moment. So yeah, the thing that I wonder about, because you're absolutely right, it's it's that crack is there and then I experience it the exact same way. It's like it's like a dog with a bone or like to use your metaphor, rubbing the dog's nose in it with just this aggressive cruelty. And it does make me wonder, you know, is that part of what happened to her? You know, is it like in terms of early wounding, early experiences. And if I let's say I'm correct about some early experience of um, like being left holding the empty bag, like she was in a collusion with someone and then somehow they, they kind of left her to take the fall. Just wondering if there was a flavor towards her of like her having her feelings, her reactions, and then people just using that to like rub her face in it and make her even more wrong. It's it's because that's the mm-hmm. flavor of it. It's like like it, it, that that level of cruelty to me is like better you than me. If I had to go through it, you have to go through it. Right. I, I what you just said is something that I've sort of felt in relation to Lisa, and I don't for some reason I I don't sense it in childhood at all. But I'm thinking about her as an up and coming actress or. You know, I I don't really know her history in terms of, but I know she was on soap operas. I don't know what she did before that, but I have a feeling, you know, she wanted to be famous. And there's something about that dog eat dog competitive climbing that happens. And I would imagine there's a lot of ways you need to stand out in, in that industry. And if you need to tear people down, in order to stand above them, you know, to, to rise up for some reason, I just, I, I feel the pattern in relation to her climb, you know, like she's, she's so out there. She's, you know, promoting things. She had that QVC stuff, you know, like she was, she's always, she's hustling. She's a hustler. So it's something related to that hustle for me when I feel it, it's a way to make someone else look bad so that I look good. Well, it's interesting you say that too, because I was thinking about her the other day, maybe because I knew we were going to record this episode. And I was thinking about, because I actually got, a, I'll bring this in in a moment, but I'll put a little uh, preview here. I kind of got a hit. You know, I, I like to think about people's quote unquote higher selves. Like what's the higher self version of all this? And I was thinking about that during Lisa were to sit down with Kathy and Kyle. And I have an image that I'll get to in a bit. Mm. But, um, I was thinking about the fact that I do experience Lisa Rinna as actually very smart and I experience her as very perceptive. And I just, for some reason I was thinking about that, about her intelligence and her, and her level of perception. And then something came in, a question came in for me around, does she see herself that way? 
And suddenly getting mm-hmm. this like possible, well, definitely curious about what were the messages that Lisa Rinner received about herself growing up as a young woman? Like suddenly just getting this hit, this possibility that, yeah, Lisa Rinna wasn't being fed with messages of, oh, Lisa, you're so smart. We see you for your intelligence. You can go out and do whatever you want to do. We see all of these like high value skills in you. And instead feeling this possibility of like, oh, I don't know. And it's coming through really strong right now. Oh, Lisa, like Lisa the clown, Lisa the this, Lisa, or, you know, obviously beautiful. Sort of like, I don't know, almost like a more dismissive um, sort of attitude and, and, and wondering, mm-hmm. like, as I felt into that, feeling the possibility of the way Lisa Rinna internalized that of like, I, I got to do what I got to do to survive. Like I've got mm-hmm. certain, like, I'm like, she said, I'm a hustler, right? Like I'm scrappy. I can claw and fight my way to the top almost like in parentheses, because some part of me doesn't believe I actually have what it takes to do it in a more, I don't know what the right language is, but to do it through virtue of, yeah, my, my intelligence, my, my constructive talents, like some, some part of me doesn't believe and I haven't received messaging that I'm capable of going out there and generating in a way that is constructive like that. And so I don't know when you said that it felt mm-hmm. connected. If I'm, you know, if I'm onto something here, it felt connected to the flavor of that somehow. Like so she doesn't hold herself in high regard. Yeah. And as you're talking, what's coming to me, the difference between reaching internally and saying this this thing that I have inside is something I want to offer the world and bring it out because it's, you know, I find it valuable. I think it would serve, right? That's one way. And it feels like the difference with her was somehow she learned to look to the external to say her smart, her intelligence, her way of figuring something out is I'm going to figure out what you want from me and I'm going to give it to you. But there's something about this control. I like, let me see if I can feel it again, because it was very specific. Like part of her skill set is being able to, to look out and see what she can monetize, to see what she can use to experience herself as powerful or successful. But it is dependent on the other's need from her. And I think she can use that two ways. You know, she can use that either as I'm going to take you down with that, or I'm going to promote us, our relationship, whatever it is that you're, you're hoping for. Like, she seems like she would be a really good partner, you know, to have as long as nobody crossed her. And I feel like Kathy in some way in this business realm has crossed her in some unintentional way. Well, and it's interesting just kind of like, yeah, putting the pieces all together. As you were talking about like the externalization, I just think about too, the way that she orients towards Harry Hamlin, you know, like the way she talks about him. It it is sort of, I get this vibe off it of like, oh, Harry's the serious actor who kind of gives me a certain, um, like he's the serious one in the mirror. People take Harry seriously. You know, I'm the goofy housewife. 
You know, I'm the QVC woman. Again, I'm the hustler. There's a way, it's like a shtick almost, right? Like, oh, Lisa, day class A Lisa, I'll do anything for a buck, baby. Like, I'll wear Depends. <laughs> you know, like she positions herself that way. And there's mm-hmm. something, I mean, not anymore, but initially there can be something charming about it. But to me, again, it kind of speaks to what I was bringing in. Like, there's a way that she orients even towards herself as like, yeah, it's just interesting to me that she, if she, if if she were Bethany Frankel, and let's say Bethany had all the same success that Lisa Rinna did, like the QVC line, the acting, the whatever, Bethany would be fucking sitting there saying like, I deserve to be on the cover of Forbes magazine. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a CEO. Like she would be taking herself so seriously as like a business mogul who's accomplished a lot. And it's just interesting to me. I don't feel like mm-hmm. Lisa Rinna positions herself that way. I don't feel like she comes mm-hmm. out and says, look at what I've accomplished. Look how fucking serious I am as like an entrepreneur and like a woman who gets stuff done. Instead, again, it's like, ah, I'm Lisa Rinna, like doing my thing. Oh, and there's Harry Hamlin. Like, aren't I lucky to have this like serious actor who kind of gives me a little bit more sort of serious weight. So I know this is circling back around to my point. It's not necessarily speaking directly to what you just said, but it feels all connected somehow. Like the way she orients towards herself, the way that mm-hmm. she kind of feels like I said, it's, I think the connection is I'm experiencing it as like, she has to kind of crawl, scratch her way to the top, which I, what I'm the way I'm relating that to you. It's like part of that is, she is smart and she is perceptive. And so she can like position herself and she can strategize. And yes, to your point, she can use it to either create success or she can use it to like sharpen, you know, her knife if she feels like she's been slighted. And so all of that just feels here for me. And then of course, part of me wants to bring in Kathy Hilton and what she might represent as this woman who's kind of like at the top of the social heap in a certain type of way. But the, the rhetorical question I'll bring in right now is I'm suddenly so curious about like what would it mean and what would it have meant for Lisa Rinna all this time to actually like drop into herself and say, no, I'm more than just a hustler. Like I'm a CEO. I'm a businesswoman. I'm a successful actress. I'm a great reality star. I'm a wife. I'm a mom. I take myself seriously. Take me seriously. I'm smart. I get stuff done. Mm-hmm. And just, I don't mm-hmm. know, even saying that, like I suddenly, oh, Sorry. <laughs> I just suddenly feel like something sad in my heart, you know, when I hold that mm-hmm. space for her. And the voice that comes through is like, no one, like no one saw me. Like this is what, and I feel like she, like she really believes this about herself. I'm just the hustler who kind of like gets by, by the skin of my teeth. I survive. And this is what I got to do. Ra- not even seeing like, actually you're smart, you're perceptive. I'm with you here. I, I, for some reason, I can feel it just slightly different, and I, I can't put words to it right now, and maybe it'll come later, but um, there is something about her intelligence, though. I almost feel like she does take herself seriously, and she plays a part that doesn't take herself seriously and capitalizes on that, uses it as a way to almost fawn, like, I'm not really that dangerous, I'm not really going to take your job away from you, but you better believe I'm going to be the one that has it when all said and done. I, I lulled you into some sort of a, um, a comfort and then I took something from you. That's the way I feel it somehow. 
Oh, no, for sure. I mean, I think it's just the way in which she takes herself seriously. So I completely agree with you. Yes. Like, like I've said, like there's a viciousness to her. And I always hear it's kill or be killed and it's survival. So I think she takes herself very seriously. I guess to mm-hmm. be clear, what I mean by taking herself seriously is instead of as this hustler who has to, you know, have her all about Eve moment where she's pushing people down the stairs backstage because this is like... It, I am agreeing with you. I think she takes that part of herself very seriously. And that's where she feels her potential for success is. And that's what she's good at. And that's what she's got to do rather than no wait. I take my intelligence seriously. Mm-hmm. I'm more than this. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I just, I was smiling. I couldn't help but think when you were talking about like, Oh, I hide behind this sort of, I forget the exact way you, phrased it but like this lighter persona i'm like and there's there's a mirror reflection with kathy hilton you know because they they both have their experience of that right of like i'm playing a part exactly that masks something really cruel and then as i say that but what's interesting is lisa's kind of i mean again lisa is a very successful woman so i don't mean to diminish her successes but it's interesting that you could say in the hierarchy in terms of like the world of beverly hills literally beverly hills and also the show Lisa's kind of done it to the middle, whereas Kathy's done it to the top, you know? So I think that's interesting. And do you think that Lisa's perception of Kathy has something to do with, she didn't have to work for it. Like Lisa did, like I did, like if I'm Lisa, yeah, you didn't earn this. Like I did. Yeah. Because I think that I, whenever I think of Kathy and feel into Kathy, she really feel, I mean, literally it's like as Kathy, I just feel in my head and it's almost like my body is disembodied, but she feels like she is in an ivory tower. It feels like she's at the top of the castle and reminds me of Michelle Pfeiffer and Maleficent. Like I'm on the castle looking down at everyone below me again, setting up the pawns. And I think that is a huge part of how Kathy Hilton you know, disconnects from just whatever the truth of what's going on inside of her. And I think there, and, you know, spoiler alert, there's, there's something here about like how I think she sees Kyle, (laughs) you know, I mean, it's even spoken to where it's like, why isn't Kyle doing anything when she feels slighted by Lisa Rinna? Kyle's not doing anything about it. It's like the sense of I'm up on the top of the hill and everyone's down there and you're supposed to be taking care of things for me. Like I'm far removed And there is something about the way that Kathy in this very kind of old school way, like landed the rich heir, you know, to the Hilton empire. To me, it almost is a sense of these three girls, Kathy, Kim and Kyle living in this sort of nightmare world. And I do get this kind of feeling of like Kathy got whisked away. Like she found her man. She got whisked away. She got taken out. And like the words I hear from Kathy are, it's your problem now. And whenever I drop into Kathy around anything, it's so funny. I start hearing like, Kim is your problem. You deal with Kim. So again, I'm getting far ahead of myself. But coming back to your question though, yeah, I experienced Kathy as kind of like, yeah, I found my way out and I married into it. And Mm -hmm. now specifically part of Kathy's, whatever you want to call it, like a specific flavor of her defense or way of navigating things I think is specifically about not being in the trenches not being in the mud being sort of elevated above everything whereas Lisa Rinna is like she's like in the mud wrestling pit you know she's in the WWE like frontline yeah for sure 
But what I think is so interesting is I think there's a way they both may have a feeling of like having sold themselves out. I mean, again, yeah, we don't know much mm. about either of their histories, really. But if Lisa Rinna did betray herself, you know, to get to where she is in Hollywood, if, she, you know, in all sorts of ways she could have done that. You know what I mean? And then where it's kind of down and dirty, you know, Kathy Hilton might just have a different experience of that where it was this one marriage and this one guy, you know, and the sacrifices she may have made to, you know, sign up for that basically. So it's just interesting to me that there, there does feel like this commonality, but it just feels, it's like two different, I'm, I'm going to make a metaphor that I'm probably going to jumble up because I don't play the piano, but it's almost like they're both C chords, but one's down at the bottom of the scale and one's at the top of the scale playing a high note, if that makes sense. Different pitch. Uh-huh. Did that answer your question? Yeah, definitely. I'm literally just kind of sitting with what you brought in about Kathy and just feeling that. There's a couple things I'm going to say about Rinna and then maybe, yeah, maybe we'll transition. So first of all, I do want to say speaking to what I'm calling Lisa Rinna's higher self. Because <laughs> um, I've always said Rinna, she likes to destroy people as we're talking about, right? She likes to dismantle them. She likes to take them down. And I've always kind of felt like, you know, to me, I've always just felt this relationship to the dark feminine or like the Kali archetype. And I'm like, you know, there is kind of a higher self version of that, right? Like we take people that we destroy in order that people can then sort of rise up, you know, like a phoenix and create. And yeah, you can destroy with a negative intention, but you could also destroy with a constructive intention. And I've always kind of felt like, you know, to me, it's always felt sort of abstract and conceptual, but this possible relationship Lisa Rinna might have to taking people down for the greater good. Like, I'm going to break you down mm-hmm. so that you can then be built up. And it was so interesting because I was watching her during that horrible, painful sit down and watching her just like, kind of like, eyes laser focused on Kathy, putting the screws to her, having her pinned against the wall, asking all these tough questions. And I suddenly was like, and taking in, like she's smart, she's perceptive. She's saying things that in some ways are kind of true. And also taking in how everything she's saying, she could actually be saying to herself, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. like, why is your heart so black? And she did the same thing to Sutton where, you know, I talked about this in my podcast where it's like, I want you to own that you did what you did out of spite. And it's like, well, Lisa Rinna, you could be speaking to yourself. You never own that you do what you do out of spite. So I was taking in that flavor, even though there's such a blind spot there in terms of the projection, I was also taking in her ability to name something really concisely that is alive in the room or in the group or in the field. And suddenly I was like, oh my God, I could actually see Rinna as like a tough, no bullshit therapist who's sitting in that chair, but rather than trying to humiliate you and destroy you, she's someone who really sees stuff and is asking you Mm -hmm. tough, hard questions, isn't letting you off the hook, and it's kind of really pushing you to get somewhere. I mean, I feel like my first real therapist who I worked with, who's actually been on a number of reality TV shows, interestingly enough, but um, she was kind of like that. Like, she's a tough, she's not like a warm and fuzzy woman. Deeply spiritual, does great work, but she's, she's a tough woman. And she kind of really challenges you. And so I did get this image of like, oh, this is what it could look like on mm-hmm. the other side. And just sort of linking it back to everything we discussed, again, Another version of Rena, perhaps, where if she were supported to own her intelligence, if she, you know, I mean, I don't know, had pursued another field, like she could be that woman sitting in that chair being like, hey, I'm seeing something here and I'm going to call you out on your bullshit. Not from a place of you've got to answer for something, but from a place of I want to support you to get 
get to the truth of something in a real way. I agree completely because I truth is the word that comes with a capital T there. I think she can sniff out any, you know, sideways action because she's very, very attuned to it internally as well. And truth matters to her, right. you know, like it's, she really tries to call that in. And I think what I feel it as for her is a level of safety. Like it, it, it I think the way I perceive if it's not in the room, there's a way she feels threatened if it's not out there. Well, it's interesting you say that because I wanted to come back around to when you talked about like the crack that becomes available, like the crack of light or the crack of truth that then she pounces on, right? And again, it was almost like if I look at this as um, originating from deeper pattern in history, it's almost like I could feel, and, it, and again, it speaks exactly to what you're saying. Like imagine being this girl slash young woman slash woman who is attuned to truth and truth matters. And part of your essence, it seems, is this voice that's like, I, I yeah, I see things, I hear things and I'm calling it out. And then going through some experience where, yeah, you were betrayed in some deep way and truth was denied and then your feelings were turned against you. And I, I get this sense suddenly in this moment of like a collusion amongst a system, which by the way, again, we, from pattern, we've seen that play out on the show. Like the stuff with Lisa Vanderpump, the stuff with Kim Richard, it's like the group colluded to just let Lisa Rinna be the bad guy. And so I can yeah. imagine when you talk about like when the crack appears... I can see why if this is pattern, if this is, if this is history for someone like Lisa, it's like, there it is. I'm going for it. Like, this is the crack I wanted and needed way back when, mm -hmm. and it wasn't available to me. And this is a huge part of the source of my rage and it's here now and I'm pouncing on it. And I think all that comes through that is the part she's unconscious to potentially is where that didn't get resolved historically for her. And that's where the, all the venom sort of comes from. It's not actual situational. It's not relative to Kyle and Kathy having, you know, this, this Kathy talking behind her sister's back. Like it doesn't deserve that much vitriol. And this is the part that I, yeah, maybe we can talk about this too. It's, I was shook. I mean, she said that so many times she hid in her bedroom. Like, what was it that was so scary for Lisa here? What was so threatening for her? I mean, look, we none of this was on camera. So I kind of tried to drop into, you know, Lisa sort of responding to Kathy's hysteria because it seems like in her conscious mind, she genuinely was scared on some level. But. Lisa has like thrown glasses and like the type of loss of control that she has had came with like physicality and like, you know, veins popping out of her. Maybe it's her own potential, what she's capable of something, something along those lines, some disowned violence in her yeah i mean that was that was how i was feeling no because you're absolutely right that was that, that was how i was feeling it's like that there's some there's a way in which i mean even though she has had these displays 
that she's so compartmentalized and disconnected from her own violent display of things that it's like when she sees it in someone else, <gasps> you know what I mean? It's like, <gasps> I would never, <laughs> you know, I mean, which is, and we see a lot of this on these shows where people, you know, I mean, I mean, we are seeing it on Salt Lake City, which by the way, it's so interesting to me that we have these concurrent storylines on Beverly Hills and Salt Lake City where you have these two women, Lisa Barlow and Kathy Hilton, both of whom had these moments, you know, and um, that to me, I mean, we heard Lisa Barlow's, we didn't see Kathy Hilton. And by the way, I want to make this clear. I am not a Kathy Hilton apologist. I'm not a Kathy Hilton fan. I've been saying since last season, I don't believe her act. You know, I I don't, I have no investment in being on Kathy Hilton's side. Um, But, you know, to me, when I hear about someone having a breakdown, it's like, okay, that's someone's humanity. You know what I mean? That's someone's, you know, unresolved emotions and feelings. It's just not, to me, it's just not a huge deal. And the way that these, these, these moments get weaponized on these shows, and it's also so interesting to me that on Salt Lake City, it's Lisa who had the hot mic moment, and on Beverly Hills, it's a Lisa who's like going in on, on Kathy. So it's just, if you hold this all together as a cinematic universe, it's just interesting to me that we have these two storylines on these two shows where feelings and emotions are getting weaponized in a way that also plays into kind of the politics of the show. What's caught on camera? What's not caught on camera? What am I willing to forgive you for? What am I not willing to forgive you for? Because I mean, I know we're not talking about Salt Lake City now, but Meredith, I mean, Meredith's investment in a grudge is like, I mean, it's the heaviest, least fun thing I've ever seen on television. It's the second fucking year in a row we've had to deal with Meredith holding a grudge against someone. And it's funny. It almost makes me grateful for Lisa Rinna's version of a grudge because at least, I don't know, compared to Meredith, whatever her name is, Meredith Marks, it somehow feels lighter and more fun. <laughs> Whereas Meredith well, it moves. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Meredith Marks feels like a swamp and she just wants to drag you into the fucking swamp with her. And we're not going anywhere until you fucking drown in the swamp. Anyways, um, I feel like we're getting far afield. No, I think you're really highlighting the, the scapegoat. What happens to the scapegoat? How, and I, we can explore this more, maybe if we even talk about Salt Lake City at some point, but I'm really interested in how the scapegoat goat's position manifest you know like is it what what what's the part of the scapegoat what's the part of the people that scapegoat you know I'm really interested in that in that dynamic because it's clear what you just said it's it's happening in both in both uh, franchises and it's it's very stuck it's a very stuck place yeah it's like you had this moment of humanity gotcha and I'm just gonna like hold you here you know and I, I think I actually think to her credit i think lisa barlow is doing a pretty good job of saying you know yeah i did this i get it and also get like i'm a human being and i'm not gonna i guess to use her her unintentionally poorly worded phrase given meredith's uh tragedy last year i'm not gonna slip my wrists over it you know i'm not gonna like completely prostrate myself over it yeah so there's something here about weaponizing people's humanity against them and using that as a vehicle for your own yeah whatever you want to get out of that whatever acts you have to grind speaking of that i did want to come back to kind of the question that you posed earlier which was just i mean the way that i heard it you didn't quite language this language it like this and it was the question i was asking myself as i was rewatching these episodes it's like what is Lisa Rinna's end game here? You know, like I was watching her in that conversation with Kathy where she wasn't apparently getting what she wanted from Kathy. And I was really like letting myself 
wonder what 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 does Lisa want from this? What what would appease her? What would make her feel satisfied here? What would finally get her to say like, oh, okay, this is resolved? And as I kind of dreamed into it, it really felt like, I mean, I want to say, again, this whole thing with Kathy feels like it does completely align with the episode that I did earlier, specifically on Rena, where I talked about, I mean, literally about her being pissed at Garcelle because Garcelle's putting the screws to her. And that's what Lisa Rinna likes to do. And here she is putting the screws to Kathy. And I think I even talked about that phrase of like, you don't get to get away with this. And she's literally saying to Kathy, you don't get to get away with this. And so I think, you know, you, you languaged it very clearly and concisely. I think that unresolved place in her where there is a rage of something having gotten skipped over that she wants answered for. And then seeing this woman who's been beyond reproach, typically is beyond reproach, never has to answer for anything, gets away with everything and seeing her have this moment and this kind of goes back to one of the the other questions you were bringing in about like what was so triggering about this psychotic breakdown I mean I think part of it is I think for her seeing holy shit you know if I rage and regret and if my outbursts are held against me look at Kathy fucking Hilton it's not fair why does she get to be this fucked up she get to be this messed up and I mean as I'm following this voice cameras aren't even around to capture it like, it's not fair. If I have to answer for it, you have to answer for it. And um, following that thread, it's like when I feel into, like, what has to happen for Lisa Rinna to finally be appeased, like, I feel like in her mind, it does have to be, like, like Kathy admitting what she said about Kyle. Kyle being like, you're out. <laughs> like, I disown you as a sister. Lisa, you're right. Thank you. I feel like the whole world... Like the viewing audience saying to Lisa, like, Lisa, you were right. You go, like, you were right, Lisa. (laughs) Applause. You go and do it. And then on top of that, that Kathy Hilton then goes and has like a mental breakdown, gets checked into an insane asylum, has to get pieced back together. And it was funny because like, because I kept going, as Lisa Rinna, it really felt like this insatiable thing of like, it has to go all the way. I mean, all it's the way down. All mm-hmm. the way down. And it's interesting that like what I'm coming up with in terms of language of like going to the mental institution, because to me, that's another version of breaking you all the way down. And what I felt, though, when I let myself kind of go all the way down, I then got this really um, pronounced sense of once Kathy has been broken all the way down, once she's been shamed, once she's been humiliated, once she's in the mental institution, at that point when she comes back out and is like, God, Lisa, I really get it, and I'm sorry. I just felt like there, oh, Kathy, there, there. I'm bringing you back in. Like, I'm going to pat you on the back. Mm-hmm. I can love you here. And it was really this feeling of like, oh, I'll, I'll bring you back into the fold now. You know, but it has, to, it has to go all the way fucking there. You have to be completely broken down. I'm, I'm still just really processing what you're saying because, I again, w- when you drop in that way, it takes me somewhere and I can I can feel it. But I, there is something there around control where if I take you all the way down and you feel your humanity, I I can have mine safely. You know, something like I have to see you do that first before I'm going to let you have any anything else of me. And she's holding something back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe it's what you were speaking to earlier in terms of her relationship to her own 
you were calling it intelligence, but I kind of feel it like heart, you know, like I feel it like, you know, like love. Yeah. I mean, as you were talking, I just suddenly feel so sad. Like I Me feel, too. Yeah. Because if we're like, if we're onto something, it's this notion, like you said, of, of Lisa Rinna's heart, right? The expression of her love, again, is perhaps this woman who, who really does have a commitment to truth you know, hers and others Mm -hmm. and wants to support people to like dismantle and Mm -hmm. somewhere along the way where, yeah, something really got betrayed and she got set Mm. up. And this person, again, the soul, the spirit who has some sort of sacred relationship to, you know, truth that wants to come in had protection. I don't know if we've used that word yet. No, but do you want to say more? Yeah, as you were talking, as you were talking about this, it feels like that truth against that separation, you know, from I call it anything that the being above something, being above truth, being above reproach, being above humanity. I mean, it feels that deep. It feels like I don't know why, as I'm feeling it right now, it actually feels older than her. Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, what's so interesting, it's so interesting that you say that because what suddenly dropped in like right at the same time that you were saying older than her, I just suddenly was kind of bringing in her family because we, we, you know, we were talking about how Lisa presents this certain persona, right? That kind of disowns her (laughs) seriousness. And I always just think about the face that's put on her family because, you know, and I'm talking about her, the family she comes from, her family of origin. We know just, I mean, just from looking at Lisa Rinna, right? When I think about these themes of survival, it's kill or be killed. I'm kind of like, okay, to me, that suggests something, you know, at least in part, something was happening in the family of origin. And then I think about the fact that she had a sister who died of drug addiction. I didn't know that. She talked about it, I think, early on, like Again, back when she first came on and she was getting into it with Kim, she talked about, like, I had a sister who died of addiction, an older sister. And then I also, I always think about, I always think about the fact, because, you know, the words killer be killed, survivor. And then I think about that, like, horrific story where her mother almost got killed by someone who turned out to be a serial killer. Do you remember that? Oh, very, very, oh, yeah, some... uh, Definite. This is definitely related for some reason. I can just like, you know how you get that feeling inside? Yeah. There's so, something about that. I'm, I'm curious now, like, you know, when did she find this out? How old was she? You know, what what was going on with her mom during all this time? Like uh, now there's there's another layer here. So, I mean, at one point in the show, she and her mother had the scene where they talked about, I think it was before the kids were born. Her mother was attacked by a coworker and almost killed, somehow got away. But then that guy turned out to be a serial killer who like actually did kill a bunch of women. And so it's like, for was this before or after Lisa was born? I think it was before. Okay. So what's striking to me is the little we know of Lisa's upbringing. You know, it's like some sort of killer be killed lesson. Her mom almost getting killed by her serial killer, the sister who dies of drug addiction. And then you contrast that with the way that Lisa kind of presents 
as like her mother, especially on the show. Here's Lois, everyone. Like, oh my God, it's great. Like, do, 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 do. And I'm always just so struck by that contrast of the way she presents her family of origin, her mother, and then these threads, these tendrils that kind of feel like they're suddenly I'm almost getting the image. I mean, <laughs> I feel like I'm going into a little bit of an altered state space, but I'm I'm suddenly just thinking about how they live in this beautiful where I mean, I think it's Bel Air or Brentwood home. And yet there's always this discussion of like, they have rats, you know, in the home. And that's almost what it feels like to me. It's like, I put this face on it. Crazy zany Lois. Oh, but wait, underneath the rug, there's drug addiction and there's serial killers and there's, you know, sort of covert lessons being learned. And so I'm just bringing this in because it's interesting to me from the level of what we talked about of the way that Lisa Rinna presents herself you know, her, her persona versus what's underneath that. And then again, I was thinking about that in terms of the family system. And then you brought in, I feel like this is sort of before her time even. Yeah. I'm sure Lois, her mother needed to do a lot to get beyond what happened to her in a very specific way that may have definitely impacted Lisa for sure. You know, um, how I'm not sure, but I can just feel the layer here that I was starting to, you know, when you said go all the way, you know, like all the way down, it was like, I could just feel this thing. And now I can, I don't know what to make of it, but I can, it, it, it like locked in feels I, related. Yeah. Suddenly as you were speaking, I was coming back to like how you really zoned in on that word truth. And obviously I've been really kind of almost micro-focused on kind of that from a place of, you know, personal development within sort of Lisa and maybe specific experiences that she had in a direct way. But suddenly I'm just thinking about like, again, the questions that suddenly come in are what did the family system say about her sister's drug addiction? What did the family Mm -hmm. system say about her death and how and why it happened? Yeah. What did the family system Mm -hmm. say about what Lois went through? And like you're saying, maybe what she had to do to kind of rebound from it. And it's almost like, yeah, I'm sure there is a relationship to truth on that micro level of, you know, again, if I'm right, some early experience around feeling betrayed, set up and abandoned, but then also these sort of what feel like bigger themes of what was the family's relationship to truth? What face Mm -hmm. were they putting on things? And again, I'm always saying what I hear off Lisa is kill or be killed. If her sister literally died from drug addiction, like that's literal life or death, you know? And if we can't Mm -hmm. speak to these things, kind of like what you're saying about protection, what I'm suddenly hearing is like, how am I even safe here? Exactly. Exactly. Especially if I'm going to be made wrong for calling things out. Mm -hmm. Oh, Lisa, Mm -hmm. what are you doing? What are you saying? You're crazy. And that's where the protection piece, you know, where I, the, the layer of protection came in for me, that feeling of this is coming from heart. This is coming from protection against what is threatening. Mm-hmm. You have to let yourself see it. You have to let yourself see it. And then people are paying like a real price where it's not seen. And then I'm being set up as the bad guy in all of this. That's right. Nobody's taking responsibility but me. Wow. Mm -hmm. All right. (laughs) 
<laughs> I feel like I need to shake that off. It, it feels very deep. Uh, the last thing I'll say about Lisa Rinna before we transition, it's like, because because I, and I've talked about this before, it's much in the same way that I was asking what was her end game with the Kathy Hilton thing. I'm always thinking about what's her end game in life because it always feels like it's the hustle for the sake of a hustle. And I'm always wondering, like, where is your sense of passion or what are you actually connected to? She feels a little bit like a cyclone that's just going, going, going. And suddenly in light of what we're saying, it makes more sense. It's kind of like, I can't, I almost want to say like, I can't afford to slow the cyclone down and to put my feet on the ground and to be here. Because again, it feels kind of like life or death. And if there's not space to go where this needs to go, then let me just, Again, like, I mean, you can't see me at home. I'm twirling my finger for the cyclone. And as soon as I start twirling my finger, I start hearing the, it's the Lisa Ritter show. Like, I'm safe here. Just going to keep hustling. Going to keep earning money. Yeah, baby, I'm a hustler. All fun and games. God. Do Do you think there's a place, like, if you feel into her, like, you know, obviously her and Harry have been together for a long time. They've got two daughters. I think she had a very loving relationship with her mother from the way it appeared. Um, I don't know much about her father, but it seems I actually feel her full of a lot of love, you know? So I'm just curious, do you think she ever lets down, you know, and like has the safety of her family where she actually gets to just be less in that cycle cyclone? Because I have a sense that she has it somewhere. I don't know how to answer that question. From what we've seen Mm. on the show, no, is what I feel. (laughs) Yeah, well, from the show. But I feel like she uses all of this for the, like, she's a character. You know, I, I, I would be so interested to see what she would be like in a quiet room where nothing is, no cameras are on. You know, nobody famous is around. There's no nowhere that she has to climb because I have a sense that she can do that. I don't know why. I just feel like she can have quiet moments. And I just want to say I wish more of that for her, more slowness, more reaping in what she's achieved, just letting it settle. Well, maybe on that wish for her, does this feel like an appropriate time to transition? I feel like we touched on something very yeah. deep <laughs> i mean really like i want to mm-hmm. say like i'm here like i still feel with it like i feel something in my heart and it just feels like i just feel so much sadness i think that's why i wish her peace you know i think what i wish for her honestly is that if if, if we are on something and if there's truth to what we're saying that she does find her space to slow mm-hmm. down and to reclaim her experience and if there was a disconnect from truth that she can learn to separate what actually was true, maybe from lies that were told within the family system. And that, because as we explore this, I I do feel her potential power, you know, as this person who can wield this heart centered destruction, you know, in a way that's actually constructive. And like you're saying, I feel how deeply connected her heart feels to it. And, um, I guess I'm bringing in the spiritual aspect of like the soul's journey. And I'm just like, if this is what her soul came here to do on some level, I think she's like in her early sixties, right? So she's not old, but she's definitely getting into the the final third of her life. And I just hear this voice saying to her, like, Lisa, there's still time, especially for someone like her who feels so full of life. It's like, you're just getting started. Still time. You could, to your point, you could put some of this down. You could 
you could heal some of this, you know, and you could know (laughs) something different. It's almost like what I want to say is you can let yourself know something different about your family of origin, your parents. You can let yourself know or maybe you were disappointed or you felt betrayed or you felt let down and you can also still love them intensely. It's not one or the other and you don't have to give up your connection to them to let yourself know ways in which you were heartbroken and outraged and used, you know? You can let yourself know that and still love them. So I'll just leave that there. Mm, I like that. So I feel like now that we've explored Rinna, my impulse is then to transition towards Kathy. I mean, I guess there's two things primarily with Kathy. One, there's the breakdown itself, you know, in her response to that, which I think is so interesting. And then again, what this brings up specifically about her relationship with Kyle and the fact that she did badmouth Kyle and apparently there was blame towards Kyle. So, you know, I guess just to sort of lay it out as we've discussed, Kathy's not getting what she wants. People aren't drinking her tequila. She's not getting her conga line. She is not getting her Michael Jackson song played by the DJ who apparently said um, go back to L.A. or something like that. So Kathy Hilton is not getting what she wants from from the people. And she has this breakdown. And in this breakdown, she talks about I'm going to take down Bravo. And and again, it's just interesting because when I dropped in towards the tequila and felt that place of, yeah, I'm going to get out of this what I want to get out of it. Like I'm playing the game how I want to play it. I'm going to get the money I want. I'm going to use this for my product placement. It, it makes sense now why she'd be talking about like NBC and Bravo. It's like, yeah, the queen of the castle kind of has gotten dethroned and it's not going her way and she's not happy about it. So there's the breakdown itself. And then in that place where there's the breakdown, this sort of rage and aggression towards Kyle, which obviously says something about their relationship and relationship dynamic. I have questions about birth order like is she the oldest kathy yeah i'm almost positive i'm almost positive it goes kathy kim kyle which i have stuff to say about okay because i'm feeling something when i feel into just the whole dynamic of their family situation kathy really feels to me like she honors her mother in some role or way of holding family secrets or not family secrets per se, but family, like don't shame the family, be a good, whatever their last name was. I just have a sense that she was the firstborn, that she took that role quite seriously, whether it was imposed on her or, or not, but it, it feels like it's playing out here somehow. I'm always fascinated by birth order, but I feel that there's something relative to position to what you had said about her being like literally up here, not embodied. Before we get specifically into the Kathy Kyle relationship, is there anything to say about Kathy's breakdown and the fact that she had such a triggered reaction Or, I mean, have we basically said it? I mean, just the surrender of control, things not going her way. I mean, obviously, it's it's a very heightened reaction to have. Like, she does want to be the queen in the castle who's pulling all the strings. And when that's not happening, it clearly (laughs) is triggering a deep 
rage in her. There is a rage that is directly connected to the experience of when things don't go my way and I'm not in control of the situation. And obviously, yeah, I'm curious about that for her, about why it's such a deeply enraging experience for her, what she associates with that. Suddenly I'm hearing like what power means to her. Yeah. And that's why I was asking about her position in the family, because if there was a lot of chaos in the family and she's the oldest, it's often that role of the older sibling to sort of hold something together that is not being held, you know, very well by other people or they're being handed that position. It's your job to maintain control of these out of control. Me being an older sister, the eldest one, and having a lot of chaos in my family or feeling Mm. uh, out of control, I can can relate to that um, sense of when I don't have control, it's really scary for me. Well, that's so it's so interesting. So, okay, so let's, yeah, let's get into the sister relationship because what you're saying kind of helps contextualize some of what was coming through for me. So when I was kind of dropping into Kathy towards Kyle at the start of this, like sit down before Rina gets there and, you know, Kyle is crying. I, I mean, I just felt this contempt from Kathy. I mean, I mean, I could do it right now. It's like this roll of the eyes. And it's just like looking at Kyle with her emotions. Here we go. And then because of the situation I'm in where I've been caught, I know I have to apologize. And Kyle even said it. She knows she has to apologize. And as Kathy, it's like, I can't believe I fucking have to do this. I cannot believe I have to apologize to Kyle. And like what started to come through me is like, I shouldn't be apologizing to you. You should be apologizing to me. You know, and again, so I think for me, that was me really feeling that that flavor in Kathy of like, Kyle, you should have taken care of this. You should have taken care of me. And again, I what always starts to come in is you deal with Kim. I always hear that with her. And so in that place where I feel this contempt, this underground contempt from Kathy towards Kyle, it is this feeling of like, you just get to be, you play this part of the wide-eyed, lost, wounded little girl who's emotional and you put your head in the sand. There's something about that I feel for Kathy that is very, like Kyle's posture, which by the way, I do feel like it's a kind of posture and we'll get into that. But like, I think there's sort of a part that Kyle plays that she gets a lot of mileage out of. So I don't think Kathy's completely wrong and sort of being triggered by it so to speak but yeah when I think as Kathy I see sort of Kyle in her feelings in her wounding and that sort of what feels to me like a young vulnerability it's really just like like I said this contempt and like get it together and you I don't know somehow you're afforded this grace of being this lost wounded little girl who's in her feelings and I just I have no tolerance for it and I have no patience for it so like there's that part of it which feels really sort of present for me. But then there's this other side of it, which I spoke to just a moment ago and it's come through on the show, which is like, you're also responsible for, yeah, cleaning up things for me. I mean, it was like going back to the bar when Lisa Rinna was doing her little poking with the 818 tequila and and Kathy literally said, like, my sister's not doing anything about it. When I kind of dropped into Kathy, again, it was this feeling of like, you're the one who's supposed to be down there in the dirt with the masses taking care of things. So I can stay up top of my castle. And I, again, I also feel like that's the voice that says, you're the one who's supposed to deal with Kim. Like I'm up here married to Rick Hilton. 
you're supposed to be down there taking care of all this. So for me, it's just, it's kind of an interesting contrast because as Kathy, I experienced Kyle. It's almost like in two ways that I'm sure are connected, but initially almost seem like opposing, which is one, you're the lost, confused little girl who's burying her head in the sand. And I fucking hate you for that. And the last, Oh, and when Kyle said, I just want you to support me sometimes, the the contempt I felt in Kathy of like, hell no, I'm not support. Like support you, you, you cry baby. I'm not slowing down long enough to like tend to your little vulnerable emotions with kid gloves. Like I hate you for that. So there's one side where she sort of really looks at Kyle's like an infantilized kid. But then I also feel this other side, which is like, and now get it together and take care of things for me. It's like somehow those mm-hmm. both feel here for me mm-hmm. and it's interesting and it's a little confusing. And so I'm curious what comes up for you. Okay. So yeah. what, what comes up for me is attention and maybe like the type of attention that Kyle got for being the youngest, for being, you know, the crybaby, for being, you know, like in a family, right? Like for having real needs when you're littler than the older sibling, um, partially, but then also a lot of, I would imagine being a child actor, you know, there was probably just a lot of attention that went into having to get her to auditions, to get her to things, to, you know, something where a lot of attention went towards Kyle and Kathy was the older one, the re- probably the responsible one on some level. And what I feel is like a type of resentment that feels really young. And when you're talking about the part where, you know, do this for me, (laughs) you know, take care of things for me, it's almost like the place where she could exercise some sort of control, you know, I'm talking in the younger years of, I can, I can make you do things. I, I, this is the place where I get to have some, some say in what goes down and you have to go do that for me. And I would imagine Kyle was a pretty obedient kid. You know, like I have a feeling she she had to learn how to do things on set. You know, she probably did what she was told. And she seems like that type of a person where she always wants to be doing the right thing to get it right, to do it right, to, you know, somehow the attention that she needs is the thing that feels a lot of where my focus is and the resentment that Kathy has about that. Okay. So much just clicked for me on like different levels. So yeah, yes, yes to everything you just said. Like I said, I kind of felt like there was a way those two sides felt connected. And so the way that it, cause the way that it came in for me was this part of what I've always wondered about slash sensed since Kyle is the youngest, I always kind of had this um, hit around the possibility of, Kathy and Kim got the brunt of stuff and that Kyle may have been spared a lot by virtue of being the youngest, both by virtue of having two sisters who went ahead of her, one of whom Kim was very successful in her day. And I feel like absorbed probably the brunt of the toxicity of what was going on in that family. Um, But then also just by virtue, yeah, again, you know, I mean, like I'm the youngest, you know, it's, I think there's a way parents can soften, you know, as, as time goes on. Well, there's also a way they can harden, but um, you know, I've just always gotten the sense of like 
Kyle may not have gotten it as bad as Kathy and Kim did and sort of that resentment. And then, yeah, if she is getting this attention and she's the, she's the, you know, the little, like, you know, bit of a child star, Little House on the Prairie, Halloween, you know, Kyle worked. Um, And so then I kind of hold that with my sense of Kathy as having found her out. Like she married Rick Young. He whisked her away. She got away. And I think that's why I kind of keep hearing this voice of like, you deal with Kim. And it's almost like you're the spoiled little youngest baby sister who's sort of like, yeah, gets away with everything and can afford to have her feelings. I've done my time. Like I've put in my time. I've done my job. I'm getting my reward now. I'm getting whisked away to the ivory tower. You, you little baby, you deal with this. This is your job. You put in your time. And so for me, that's how those two sides can actually really connect in a way that feels really clear to me. And the other thing that I want to say really clicked, it's a little bit of a digression, but it harkens back to um, our previous episode. I've just, and especially because of this reunion, which we're not even touching at this point, but you know, I don't know if you watched the first part of the reunion yet. Um, We're recording this on Mm -hmm. Monday before the second part. So only the first part is aired. Oh, so you haven't seen it yet? Mm -mm, I haven't seen the reunion yet. Oh my God, Piper. If if, if you're anything like me, and I know you are, I think you're going to, I think you're going to get activated because they explore some of the crystal stuff again. And um, that, that energy towards crystal, it comes out again. And I'm, I mean, I don't want to get too far afield, but even Andy Cohen like gets in on it. I mean, the, the attitude towards her is so it's, it's for me, it was brutal to take in. But so I've been thinking more, you know, and Kyle's right there. Like Kyle's sort of back to old school Kyle. Remember when she was like so mean to Brandy <laughs> and she's like learned yeah. to t- like tuck that part of herself away. Um, that part of her is coming out again towards Crystal. I think that flavor of meanness. And so anyways, mm-hmm. I've been thinking a lot about, you know, you know, what does Crystal represent to Kyle? And suddenly I'm just like, oh my God. Cause we talked about how Crystal is modeling a certain type of, young vulnerability that's hard for a lot of the women to tolerate which I think is true but then when I specifically focus on Kyle if I hold Kyle as someone who has gotten mileage out of playing the part of the young wounded little girl who cries when things are upset and I just want the support of my sisters and then she looks at Crystal and you know I mean I don't actually think that's what Crystal is doing but she sees Crystal embodying a certain type of a young wounded vulnerability as Kyle it's like wait a second you know I can see it as possibly two ways one like that's my role or also you're holding up a mirror to something that I do and that's uncomfortable for me and more so this is the way that Kathy responds to me I'm embodying that and I'm doing what Kathy does to me mm-hmm. like I'm I'm embodying the way that people in my family have treated me. Exactly. Because it's like, I was going to say when Ka- when Kyle said in that sit down, like I want you to support me. And I, I, I just talked about it. Like as Kathy, what I felt was no effing way. Am I slowing down to hold your hand during these emotions? That's literally how I feel about Kyle. Well, really the whole group, but Kyle towards crystal, like no way. Like I'm not, I refuse to slow down long enough 
even if I don't understand what you're saying or you're contradicting yourself, I mean, again, you'll see it. It was clear. Crystal was struggling in some way to speak what was coming up. And I think in large part because there's not room or space in that reunion forum to really speak to it. And also these people don't want to hear it and they're ready to pounce on anything she says. But I, I can feel, yeah, like what you're saying, that part of Kyle, it's like, I'm not, I'm not dropping my guard long enough to sit with you, Crystal, and to really hear what you have to say and to tease it out. Because just like Kathy, I am not willing to feel. I will not feel this with you. That's that's what I feel from Kyle. I don't even know what happened at the reunion, but in the episodes, it was the way that she goes after Crystal is so telling of, and what the way I feel it right now, it's like nobody has held that for me. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how to hold that for you. Even if she wanted to, it's like you said, she can't slow down enough. We just have to hurry up and get past all of this and make it go away. Right. Because this is not something I know how to do or yeah. feel. Yeah, I was literally going to say the same thing. Like, no one did this for me. <laughs> like, I'm not doing it for you. And then what comes for me, up for me, it's almost like um, Kyle's ambivalent relationship to her own brand of vulnerability. There's something about the way in which it's real and there is something that needs and wants to be slowed down and heard and seen. Right. And it sounds like there wasn't that space. Right. I mean, we see that with Kathy on a certain level. And so you almost would say, Oh, well that means there wasn't room or space for it. Right. But then there's a way that she, in the place where something's not seen or heard, there is a way that, Kyle will orient to her, I'm using air quotes, her vulnerable emotions in a way that to me does feel manipulative. Like I just like that. Disingenuine. Yeah. Like that whole sit down with Rinna and Kathy, I just kept feeling like over and over, Kyle loves this. 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 She loves getting to cry about this. She loves I don't know. I mean, I, I do think she felt part of it was a discomfort with how hard Rena was going in. But I also felt a certain thread of like, I love that Rena is doing this work for me. You know what I mean? Like doing the mm. dirty work of holding Kathy responsible for something. And then I, I couldn't think of any particular situations, but it almost felt like, has she done this with Kim? Like, has she set Kim out there to be a bulldog sometimes? Just this kind of feeling of, I love that I get to be the one who cries and is upset and looks so concerned while something's happening. And there's a way that I wield this where I get to mask a deeper anger or a negative intention. Like, I get it. Oh, I get it. Well, you used the word attention before. I get attention here. Like, something gets seen here. I get attention here. So... I'm aware I'm not arriving to a crystallized point. Uh, to me, like I said, I just feel this ambivalence of something in Kyle that really does want to come through connected to her vulnerability. But then, like I said, a way she uses it for attention and to sort of passive aggressively get some kind of need met. And again, I'm not quite sure where that line is or how that worked, but I feel that here. And the way you're talking about it now, it feels unconscious in terms of 
this is what I've now used to defend my real vulnerability. Mm. I get something here, but I'm not going to go all the way down because that's where I get nailed. Mm. You know, like I'm going to keep it at this level. This is where the manipulation you might be picking up on maybe the, the falseness of it or the, the, you know, like hold up crystal and hold up Kyle, their vulnerability in air quotes feels completely different. And from my perspective, it's like Kyle's, I don't sense it as vulnerability. I sense it as a hurt that she's familiar with that she doesn't know how to hold for herself and then get something with her inability to hold it completely where crystal holds it. She's been holding it her whole life. It's probably, you know, so familiar in some way. And she's actually trying to show something deeper to these women. And I don't get that sense from Kyle. This is the sense that I get from Kyle is I need this to be fixed. I need this. I need this to just be moved past and gone and everything set right again. And this is where maybe where Lisa Renna is picking up on something like, no, 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 no. You don't get to gloss over this. This is never going to go all the way um, to the base, to the ground where we can actually have something real here. Well, it's so interesting because now I'm tying all the threads together because, you know, one of the things that Renna said after Kathy left was there's a core thing here that's not been dealt with. And when she said that, I was like, you know, actually, she's right. Like, it is true. And, you know, to your point, Kyle, Kyle, you know, Kyle always prides herself on I don't hold grudges. I like to move past things. But, yeah, to me, uh, it's such a line of bullshit. Yeah, it's like, you know, basically what you're saying is you you don't know how to tolerate real conflict. <laughs> you don't know how to get into the unknown of really exploring things. And it's so uncomfortable to you that you want to just sort of glaze over it. And so that's what you do. And so. It's, it was interesting to me that Rinna said that, and I was like, she's actually right, even though I think she's wielding it in a sort of weaponized way. But then I'm bringing that back to what we just explored in the first part of this of like, oh, isn't that interesting that Rinna is someone, I mean, again, if we trust what's coming through, who on some fundamental core level, truth matters, you know, and she's seeing this relationship. It's life and death. Yeah, exactly. It's life and death, which but even in the Richards clan, like it kind of has been with Kim's addiction issues, you know, so. And Lisa's response to Kim's addiction issues and all the stuff that was getting brought in before. Because one of the questions I always hold for Lisa Rinna is how conscious is she? How much of this is about her consciously trying to create a TV show? And how much of this is her lost in her patterns or whatever you want to call it. And I can see now as we're talking about this, how easy it would be for it to all get conflated. You know what I mean? That, yeah, she is making a TV show, which, by the way, the TV show is part of her hustle and her killer be killed and her survival. So it's all in there anyway. Right. But that it is also really bound up in something that's like true and real for her. But it is so interesting to me. I don't usually use this word because it feels like such a reductive thing to say about someone. But it's so interesting. Lisa feels like she suffers from such classic projection. It's like she's looking at the sisters over here saying, oh, you guys aren't getting to the core of whatever's going on in your family system. When it feels like she needs to be turning that spotlight against her own family system. But the other thing I was going to say about all this was... Um, what was so interesting to me in terms of like Kyle's performative emotions is the thing that kind of ultimately brought Kathy and Kyle back together before Rinna arrived 
was Kathy saying, mom would be proud of you. Well, she was like, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of all the things that you've done. And mom would be proud of you. I thought what was so interesting, first Kyle was crying and sort of putting on the tears. And then Kathy kind of started to turn in on her. And she's like, well, you know, Kyle, you know, it's hard to reach you on the phone. And we don't get enough time together. And it was interesting for me to see how quickly the tears stopped. And then Kyle actually did start saying some things that I was like, oh, this actually feels real. Like Kyle was saying, you call me to vent and you don't ask me anything about myself. And I i mean, what mm-hmm. I hear her saying is I then have to be the vehicle for your rage or whatever is going on. And Kyle shared in an interview, she'll get a text from Kathy saying, I'm about to call you. And she's like, my whole body shuts down because I'm about to receive this barrage of Kathy's sort of angry energy. And it was just interesting to me. I was like, oh, now we're getting into some real stuff. Like we're getting into some threads here that might go somewhere. And so then it was just so interesting to me that as Kathy then kind of pivoted to Kyle, I'm so proud of you and mom would be proud of you. The tears start to come again. Kyle embraces Kathy. And I'm like, oh, this is, to Rinna's point, this is where the core gets skipped over. Like, this is where they're defaulting into some old, like, this is what the child and Kyle wants. I want mom and dad to be proud of me. I want Kathy to be proud of me. I'm going to cry so people make it feel better. And it's like them agreeing to some old narrative that then just allows them to continue sweeping everything under the rug. I was just struck by that contrast in Kyle, even just in that one conversation of like the tears to starting to drop into something real and then the tears getting turned on again as soon as they evoke, you know, St. Big Kathy and, and the mother's love and support. Yeah, it's interesting as you name this shutting on and off of things, you know, being... Well, I'm assuming you're attaching manipulation to it. Is that what you're saying? Like this ability to turn something on and off that way, it feels manipulative to you? Well, it does feel unconsciously manipulative. And also I think I'm just speaking to the, yeah, the contrast of what I perceive as a contrast in Kyle of like, yeah, the performative tears versus, oh, wait, (laughs) wait a second, we just stumbled into something real here and the limitations of the space to hold something real and what's required of Kyle to stay in relationship with Kathy in a certain type of way. Yeah, I, that limitation, that container, that inability to contain for me speaks highly to the places where she gets overwhelmed easily and the tears come and then they get shut off just as quickly she will shut it down. And I think the shutting down is very conscious. <laughs> and I think the allowing them to come up is less. It's almost like she is moved. If something happens where it, it, it reaches her, it starts to come and then she knows she has to shut it down. And I don't think she has had enough space to really let something move in connection to resolve something it's just been right you know like a generative sadness that i'm going to keep holding on to or victimhood or i this was done to me or something related to not being able to have had someone hold them for her mm-hmm. alongside there with her and so they just are right there all the time 
Yeah, it's almost like what I hear you saying is there's almost something developmentally just really young that never got to fully express itself. And so, yeah, yeah, that feels really true and right to me because that 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 is how I experience Sometimes Kyle feels really young to me. Oh, like she- sometimes she <laughs> almost always does, especially next to her kids. You know, she loves her. Obviously, there's a lot of love in her family. You know, she loves them and everything. But you know, when I see her interact with her kids sometimes, yeah, it's interesting because she reminds me a little bit of my sister. And so when I relate to this and, and feeling uh, the relationship of the younger sister and the older sister, you know, I, I kind of, I can feel that that positioning of being in control, you know, being the one that has had enough the ability to hold something because I'm older and my sister not quite being able to, to do that as well. And so my judgment was always something about being so dramatic, you know, you're so dramatic um, where, you know, if I let go of that judgment, it might be nobody held you in a way that you needed to be held so that you could hold this for yourself yet. Because I was going to say, maybe that's why I experience these emotions as manipulative. Maybe it's almost like it's it's triggering the Kathy in me. The way I'm experiencing it now is if it is something, you know, to use a language I don't love, but like developmentally stunted, you know, or if it's a young place that got stuck. And so then that's kind of what Kyle's bringing to the table. You know, it, it's like I can understand that frustration of like, you know, snap, grow up. Yeah, grow up, snap out of it. Like, what are you, what are you doing? I, I still feel like there is something in a young place, again, in a young unconscious place, I think there's something Kyle gets there. Like, I mm-hmm. do think she gets an attention. Or if almost the way it's coming in now, if like if there's a perceived threat from the outside, I can maybe soften it with these tears because mm-hmm. yeah, they are forced mm-hmm. to coddle me in a certain type of way. Mm-hmm. But I think what's coming in now, I was experiencing mm-hmm. it maybe more as semi-consciously manipulative or more of like a negative intention than is really maybe there. What I'm sort of taking in now is maybe this is really the child's point of view, you know, cause children, children can be kind of innocently manipulative. You know what I mean? And maybe that's part of what I'm picking up on. Yeah. It's, both a learned behavior, but protective of something. And this is where I feel it as a protection of something deeper, you know, much deeper that I will not, not, I'm not, I'm not going to trust you with that because you haven't even been able to hold this, (laughs) this range right here. And then just to kind of circle back around, yeah, just really taking in that conversation between Kyle and Kathy this notion of the limitations of the relationship. And I think, you know, what I always see in Kyle, I saw this with Kim and Kyle, and now I feel like I see it with Kyle and Kathy. It's just, these are severely limited relationships. And it feels like Kyle, again, in the place where it feels like she's very young, it just seems like she doesn't want to fully let herself know the limitations of these relationships. Because this is the other thing I want to, ask about um Mm. after i finish this thought it's so fascinating to me that the kathy and kyle had it falling out didn't speak to each other for a long time reconnected in that their great idea of how to reconnect was for (laughs) kathy to come on this show i mean 
that to me is mind blowing. And especially given <laughs> everything Kyle and Kim went through being on the show together. I, I do want to touch on that in a moment, but just to circle back around the, the thought that started this out was, yeah, it just seems like Kyle doesn't want to surrender to the fact that these relationships, I don't think will ever be what she really wants them to be. Like Kyle, <laughs> Kathy cannot meet her. We saw that. And I think Kim has severe limitations as well. And I think that if Kyle were to, let's say, emotionally mature, you know what I mean? And if she were able to really kind of stick to her guns, so to speak, about, you know, the things that bother her or to have the boundaries to say, you know what, Kathy, actually, these phone calls, they don't feel good to me. You know, I have to limit my contact with you or this has to change. You know, I think that these these relationships would profoundly shift. Exactly it's clear they grew up in a family system that was all about, you know, we're thick as thieves, we're in this together. They grew up feeling like there was this pretense of this deep, deep bond between the women. And so I think, you know, for Kyle to let that go, I mean, I think it really rewrites the entire narrative that has shaped her life. Well, yeah, and it's the question of what did we bond over? Mm-hmm. What what was that bond? And... If that track has been laid, then there is that potential. But first, Kyle would need to do what I heard you say, which was bring honesty in, in a way that says, look, (laughs) this doesn't feel good. And I feel like her fear is that it will blow things up. It seems like it's a founded fear. Exactly. That's been the pattern. It's kind of like what you said, even about how Kyle will allow herself a certain level of vulnerable emotions, but she won't go all the way in. It's, it's so interesting because these sisters do get into conflict, right? Like they don't speak, but then they make up and then they don't speak. But to our point, they're never, and Lisa Rinna's point, they're never dropping down into the core. So nothing ever actually really gets resolved. So it's such a fascinating thing because There's this catch-22 here where it's like Kyle is on some level trying to preserve the relationship by withholding her deepest truth so she doesn't have to bump up against those limitations and thereby lose the relationship. But in doing so, they never address the core issues and then they end up getting into conflict anyway. But But it's just a shallower level of conflict. But do you know what I'm saying? Yes. It makes no sense, even as I say it out loud. I'm like trying to find the clear point to put on this. And I'm like, there is no clear point because it literally makes no emotional sense. What feels like might help in terms of clarity is to understand the the youngness of this. I don't think she's been supported to actually go all the way in and to let herself arrive somewhere and then be able to name what that place is. And if you don't have that, if you've stayed above that the whole time and just circled around it and let itself play out. There's like tension, release, tension, release. It's like when people go and hit the cube, it's like I could, you know, it feels so good to move it and then to arrive in a different place, even if the different place isn't where I need to be, because I don't actually know if she has let herself touch that in a way that she understands it herself. It feels that young to me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's so interesting because 
And, and this kind of speaks to the question I brought in about why are they choosing to do this show together? And it actually kind of causes me to actually circle back around to my first thing about something kind of a little bit like I, I, what I would call passive aggressive in Kyle where, but I think it's unconscious. I think it's so unconscious. I, I've always felt Piper, the creation of that show, for example, American Woman, that she did based on her family life. Look, on the outside, it looks great. It, it was loosely based on their family. It didn't go into any of the sort of details. As Kyle says, it was actually a love letter to their mother. There was nothing actually wrong with it. And I think that Kathy's reaction seems definitely disproportionate and ridiculous. But there's always been this part of me that's that just felt like Kyle knew what she was doing. Like she knew what she was doing. Like she could have created a TV show about anything. You know what I mean? And it's like on some level, I just felt a little like the subtlest, quietest whisper of a little bit of like a poke of, yep, I'm, I'm doing, doing this anyway. I'm, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm doing this. And that's kind of what I mean, even with the tears, because when I feel into them making the decision to go on the show again, unconsciously, there's part of me that's like, are you guys, are you trying to invite something in that you, you can't consciously invite in? So like, you know, meaning blowing stuff up, having to confront things. So when I hear you talk about Kyle was never supported, learned how allowed to kind of get to the full feeling and to express something. And then we take in how angry she can get, right? There's that rage that she has. I almost wonder if there are these, again, it feels so unconscious to me, but if there are these parts of her that does kind of try to passive aggressively engineer things to poke a little bit and to pull the rug out and to like, yeah, kick up some dust and let's, let's, let's get into it. Cause there's some stuff. <laughs> there's some stuff here that I've never mm-hmm. gotten to say that's never been seen and kind of like with to Lisa, me, that feels patterned. Well, I want to hear what you have to say. The last thing I was going to say, the other connection I feel to Lisa Rinna is also like, that's also where I feel Kyle's heart. Like I feel like the part of her that really wants to be in relationship with these sisters in a deep way mm-hmm. and then gets so mm-hmm. outraged and upset when the connection, like she's not met in her desire for deep connection. I feel like Kyle, there's a part of Kyle that, and I do believe this to be true, that if she were supported to be in her feelings and there were the space, she's someone who'd be willing to meet her sisters in unconditional connection. And I don't know that I feel the same thing from Kathy and Kim. And I feel the pain of that for her. (laughs) And I'm so glad I'm saying this because this is actually helping me to get clear that when I said earlier that I hear this voice in Kyle that's saying, I love this. I love this. I love this during the sit down between Kathy and Lisa. I think what I'm actually feeling is the part of Kyle that wants Kathy's behavior exposed. Like she wants it. She wants it seen and heard by the world. And I actually think, whereas Lisa Rinna wants it seen and heard by the world to punish Kathy in some way, I think Kyle wants it seen and heard by the world because of some young belief slash hope that if it gets seen and Kathy has to answer for it, Kathy will then take responsibility for it and change. And then they can actually have the kind of deep, connected, healthy relationship that I think Kyle wants deep down. And I think on some fundamental level, Kyle has been holding out hope that yeah, Kathy will take responsibility for her behavior, that Kim will take responsibility for her behavior, that they will finally be 
fair sisters who treat her fairly and are willing to see her and hear her and then can have the kind of bond she's always been wanting to have. And I think in that place, there is something in Kyle that enjoys someone like Lisa Rinna bringing this to the surface again, like I said before, kind of doing the dirty work that she can't quite do one, because she's a little sister that no one pays attention to, but two, because they're supposed to guard these family secrets it's like Lisa Rinna's taking the ball and running with it. And like I said, I just feel this part of Kyle that's saying, I love this. You do it. Thank you. Like, I love this. I love this. I love this. And I think that's why, to me, my experience of Kyle is so, in a way, dualistic, where it feels like there is this part of her that really wants this out and exposed. And there is a kind of manipulation there. But ultimately, it's in service to a desire for deeper connection with her sisters. I mean, it reminds me, too, of the first season when she's sitting there in the limo screaming, you're an alcoholic. Now, everyone knows. I think there's this part of Kyle. I think more than Kim and Kathy, Kyle wants the family secrets exposed. Again, I think deep down for a sake of healing and deeper connection amongst the sisters. But I want to hear, what were you going to say about the pattern? <laughs> that I feel like that got set up, that that is, if we talk about family system dynamics, whatever you want to call it, you know, there's a pattern of connection. That is the way they maintain their connection. It feels like through that sort of chaotic vibe. And maybe Kyle's sort of own family that she's created, you know, this relationship with Mauricio and, and her girls, you know, like maybe she's had a little taste of something different that she can't quite cultivate on her own, you know, like generate herself and extend to her sisters, but that there's, she knows it somewhere. She, it's a felt sense and it must be, on some level, really painful and frustrating not to know what that is and not know how to extend it and not have it be sort of drawn out of her, maybe in the same way that she's received it from the outside, you know, in some way. I feel like she's had a taste of something. Well, it's interesting you say that because as as truly horrific as that home environment seems like it was that the three of them grew up in, what I also got from reading The House of Hilton and also just taking in Kyle and taking in the others, the sense that I've gotten is as horrific as it may have been. I also feel like there was actually a lot of love there. Like there was love, you know, and I think, yes, wires got crossed between love and collusion and all sorts of things. But I think, you know, by all accounts, even Big Kathy could be very charming and sort of created almost like she, she would take in their friends and kind of ha like created like this soror world of sorority. So I think there was a deep sense of love. And so just going back to this possible sense I've had of Kyle being the baby and not getting the worst of it and maybe being protected from the worst of it and there being that love there, to me it would make mm -hmm. sense why she of the three of them could then draw in a life and a family that does reflect the hearth, the home, the safety, and that she's looking mm -hmm. for that connection. And I think just to kind of circle back around again to this thread of the vulnerability, it's like, I, you know, I am so drawn to what you brought in around Kyle, perhaps being this feeling girl who is sort of picking up on things, seeing things, hearing things, having feelings 
maybe like starting to express them. And then, like you said, it, it, it's not fully supported all the way, right? And it gets cut off and she's not allowed to have that. It just, I'm still so drawn to this line of what she gets from those, like the type of attention she may have got in a way that she maybe does still wield it to get attention. Well, she acted also. I would imagine she was able to tap into those emotions and use them to do her job and got something from that. If for some reason control comes back in, you know, like a way to turn them on and off, like tap into them, use them. And then, okay, they've, there's been a release. There's, uh, I'm back to my, my baseline again, mm-hmm. but it, it served like a twofold purpose. I could use it for my job. I get recognized for the ability to do that. But there is something else that I think, you know, you zero in on the manipulative aspect of it. You know, she does get something from it. There is a type of attention and maybe what she gets from it is a pass that allows her not to go deeper into her pain. Well, I was literally, so there are two things. So that, that was the first one I was going to say. It allows her to disown the adult in her. Right. So if she were to step into the adult, like going back to what we were talking about earlier, who owns her boundaries and says, Kathy, this relationship doesn't feel good to me. And this is the place where I risk losing connection with you, which to your point, if she did lose the connection in a sort of deeper kind of way where she's really putting her heart on the line, that's going to take her into a deeper level of pain that probably she hasn't wanted to know for herself. So I think that's there. But I also I think this is what I've been picking up on this whole time. And by the way, I say this as the baby in the family. I know this place well, but yeah, like, you know, she gets to be the the baby of the family who's got her feelings. In her. Like, I, I just feel it's part of her that maybe liked being the more protected baby of the family who, oh, Kyle, you know what I mean? Like there's something, mm-hmm. I mean, it just feels like it could be both at once, right? Like there's a way in which they're not going to really support her to go deep into the feelings, right? But there is maybe a way that they coddled her or tended to it that gave her a hit of a certain type of attention. And I, connection. Yeah, and so that well, that's what I was about to say. So to me, they suddenly do feel linked because in the place where maybe there are things that get unseen, there are things that get unheard, where connection isn't as deep as she would maybe like it to be, history has showed her maybe she can default into a certain type of, again, I'm using the air quotes, vulnerability that, like you're saying, it scratches the itch a little bit. Like something's kind of seen and then, hey, I do get a certain type of connection. Like this is what I know. And yeah, there's a flavor of it that is authentic and is seeing something. And there's a flavor of it that's like, yeah, I know how to get my needs met here. And by the way, when I cry, everyone does have to kind of pump the, the adults have to pump the brakes and pay a little bit of attention to me, you know? So I feel both things here and they suddenly do feel more organically linked to me than they did before. Does it make sense when I articulate it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Is there anything else that you feel like needs to be said about Kathy and Kyle and all of this? What I want to highlight is something you touched on, which was maybe a deeper, more spiritual purpose for their reason being on the show to somehow unearth the potential for them to, to actually drop below. Like there's, there's a catalyst here, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so Lisa's trying to bring them down to the ground. Let's call her Kali. You know, there's an energy here that's like, all right, 
you didn't know you were signing up for this, but this is so exposing. This is so taking you down Mm -hmm. to the nuts and bolts of asking yourself these questions about what is possible around connection and, and what channel can this deep love and care that we have for each other, how can we switch the groove to having it be this sort of chaotic surface this is how we get our attention and needs and all that stuff met. Is there another, is there another channel for this that I don't know, has some ease and some depth? Yeah. It's so interesting to me. Like when I was thinking about how Kyle may have poked with creating this TV show and may, you know, maybe they were unconsciously setting themselves up in some way by going on a reality show together. I was like, isn't it so interesting that it's all like, it's such a Hollywood story. You know, it's like the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And at least in these examples, the means that's being used to possibly destroy the relationship as it exists. It's like TV shows, reality television, which I kind of love about that because to me it speaks to the healing power of storytelling and media and certainly this family that's shrouded in secrets and silent shame going on a reality show and exposing the relationships. And, um, you know, I think to that point, so maybe there's really something here around, yeah, transparency versus hiding and kind of the role of media and storytelling. And what I also wanted to bring into this, just kind of as a fun aside, I was, you know, I'm in New Mexico now and I did a little road trip and I was in Sedona at one point. So I've kind of been in these vortexes and I was thinking about that for Kathy. I was thinking about Aspen because I don't know if you're aware of this, but Mm. what's so cool about Aspen is apparently, I hope I get this right. Apparently it's like the deepest lake there's a lake there right like a body of water and it it goes deeper than like any other i mean not the ocean but like i don't know any other lake in america or something like that there's some sort of body of water where its depth is notable for some reason but meanwhile aspen itself is in this high elevation and someone was talking about the contrast between those two things and they actually languaged it as kind of like it is its own energy vortex up there. And so I was just thinking about how Kathy, because when I was in Sedona, oh my God, so much was getting activated for me. I, I felt like I was in an altered state. Like there was just so much coming through for me. And I was like, oh, I am feeling the intensity of this vortex. And then I think about Kathy being up there in Aspen, perhaps in this energetic vortex, things spiraling out of her control. Oh, because the other thing I was going to say about the the healing power of this medium, especially reality TV, actually, is that it is the playing field. It, it's the thing that levels the playing field. Because once you're out there in front of the cameras, like that's the voice I hear in Lisa Rinna towards Kathy. Like you're, you're in the pit now with us. Like you're not the queen watching the gladiators from the box seats with the spectators. You're in the fucking arena. And guess what? The camera doesn't lie, baby. So guess what? I get to poke you and I get to drink 818 tequila. You're on camera. Deal with it. Action. Right? So that that's maybe the destructive version of it. But like we're talking about, there's this kind of higher self version of it, which is the, 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 the playing field gets leveled. Things get shored up. This is for everyone to see. And so it's just interesting to me from like Kathy's perspective of a life path, a soul's journey. Here she is in this energy vortex. She's on camera. She's out there for the world. She's like her nightmare is coming true. Her defenses are getting dismantled. People are not doing her bidding. And it takes her into that rage that she herself says, you've known me for 30 years. I never go into this. And to me, just as I was thinking about it, I was like, I feel like Kathy 
she went into the vortex and I felt like it held up mm. a mirror and there's an opportunity here. I mean, Rinna's kind of saying this in her mean spirited way. There's an opportunity here for you to look at what happened and to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Now, whether she does or not, it's another story, but just piggyback on what you said. It's all here, right? Like the, 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 the invitation into, into knowing more about myself and my feelings and where they come from, the Hollywood of it all, my family, my defenses, what my soul wants. It's like all here. Right. And Kathy could, if she chose to accept the invitation, yeah, really look at this as a doorway into, holy shit, look what's coming up for me. Let me get into a relationship with this. What a blessing that the Real Housewives mm-hmm. of Beverly Hills came along and brought me to Aspen. And Lisa Rinna, you know what I mean? Like, is like putting the screws to me. Like, now I get to deal with my relationship to control and transparency and all this stuff. Yeah, the interesting question is, will they look at the mirrors that are being held up you know are they like this is where i could contrast what i've been seeing on salt lake city to beverly hills right now like this season of beverly hills has been so really hard hard to be interested in hard to watch because it's almost like like what you said you guys are in the arena take a look around what are you fucking seeing when you watch this show Like when you watch yourselves on this, what are you actually seeing? There were interesting things with Crystal and, you know, with Garcelle and I, you know, there, there, there were things that really could have been highlighted in some way. I don't know, watching Salt Lake City, these women sort of take a look at themselves, but I haven't seen that happen with Beverly Hills. Yeah. Maybe it's, you're speaking to the culture a bit. Well, but, you know, I would have said last season that the culture, I mean, I think we did talk about this, the culture of Salt Lake City was being reflected in just all the denial and the repression. And I feel like, you know, probably last season of Salt Lake City, I would have said, I don't, you know, I don't see a lot of these women, you know, doing a deeper reckoning. And yet this season, I mean, we'll have to do a separate Salt Lake City episode, but you know, what I see is like truth rising to the surface in a lot of different ways. And even just, I mean, I know that Jen hasn't pled guilty yet, but knowing that that's coming, it's like, there is this kind of force of like, the truth is rising to the surface now, you know, like the underlying dynamic of Whitney and Heather's relationship. And it's just, truth is rising to the surface. Oh, obviously Whitney's, you know, recall of her trauma and abuse. There seems to be a theme of truth is rising to the surface. So It's funny because when you first pose the question, like, will they use this opportunity to look at themselves? You know, my default response is going to be like, no, ha ha ha. But I want to say I'm taking that back because again, like look at what's happening in Salt Lake City. And also, I guess I just want to not disown, again, sort of the depth of where we're going. I mean, you know, at this point, like I... I have been hearing from housewives, you know, who are hearing these episodes and communicating to me, like, you've reflected something. This is helping me. So, look, I, I want to be clear. I'm not saying, oh, this podcast is going to be the beacon of light for Kyle Richards and Kathy Hilton. But I think what I want to name in myself is there, there would have been a cynical part of me up until very recently that would have just been like, no, Piper, they're not going to. And I want to say, like, no, it is possible that, For example, someone might hear this or they might hear something else and it might spark something and they might go on that journey to some degree. So I don't know. I just want to hold the space and possibility for that because like I said, I never really 
I mean, I, I don't mean to conflate what is happening with my podcast no, I, with this stuff, but it's like I never would have really expected to hear from people who are on these shows and for them to be as open to it as they have been. And so to me, mm -hmm. it's like, it just reminds me at the end of the day, we are all human beings, I believe, you know, and we all have these souls and that ultimately there's a part of our souls that that want to step into whatever they're here to do. And again, I'm not saying that we're the authority on what these women's souls are here to do, but just speaking to even for people like Kathy Hilton, Kyle Richards, Erica Jane, Lisa Rinna, is it possible? I'm going to say yes. Will they? Who knows? Let's just, I'm holding, <laughs> I'm holding, mm -hmm. I'm holding space for the possibility that it might happen. I love that. And I want to say maybe the time that, you know, you take, um, that you take with the guests that you have, um, that our perspective, our, we're holding up a mirror back to them in a, some reflective way to say, have you considered whether or not you do, whether or not, um, the consideration is, you know, respected or validated in any way, it doesn't really matter. But I think maybe that is ultimately what these reality shows, how I can justify sort of taking part in this, in this cultural way that I have been recently. I think I say this every time, <laughs> but after speaking with you in this way about what we're seeing, it makes me realize that I'm watching this for a reason. I'm not just checking out, right. you know, like I I'm, I'm actually checking in on myself and I'm looking at the unchecked parts of my own process, the things that I'm not willing to see, trying to make sense and meaning out of why somebody would put themselves through something like this. Yeah. I mean, I love you saying that because you are actually speaking to my intention with this podcast in the first place, which is to use these stories and these people as a vehicle for deeper self-reflection. And I just love, yeah, I love finding kind of the sacred in the profane. That's how I've always been. And, you know, I think the last thing I want to say about all this too, that just, you know, I've never, I don't know that I've ever said this out loud and to me, it feels implicit to what we're doing, but I do want to say that I very intentionally and consciously let myself kind of embody two points of view in these explorations, which is, yeah, the person who's maybe intuiting information and holding space for the soul's journey, and also the human being who's a TV watcher who has judgments and gets triggered. I like this person. I don't like that person on a personality level. And just to be clear, though, that like, you know, fundamentally at the end of the day, I am coming from a place of supporting all of these people and, um, I do feel like it's so deeply vulnerable how they put themselves out there. And I, even when I'm talking about people in a way that is judgmental or I'm triggered or I'm rolling my eyes at them, um, I'm also always, always, always holding space for their humanity and rooting for their humanity. And uh, I don't know. I just don't want to get it twisted that like, I don't ever want to create a culture where it seems like if I personally don't like someone or I'm triggered by someone that I'm saying, oh, they're a bad person or they're bad inside because that's not... It's not where I'm coming from at all. And um, maybe part of me is saying this because I have been hearing from more people who are involved in the shows. And, um, you know, I just, I, it makes me think about sometimes about what I say and how I say it. And I do like giving myself permission to be a TV viewer because I am a human being and I am a TV viewer and I do have my opinions and thoughts and triggers. Um, but I also care about 
the impact I have on other people. And I think that's, that's it. I appreciate you, Jamie, for that. All right, Piper. Any last anything? I feel, I feel like we really got into a lot. Is there any last final note? <laughs> I'm, I'm all poured out. All right, you guys. Thank you so much for going on this journey with us. As always, I am most grateful for anyone who is listening to this. As always, you can find me on Instagram, J-A-M-I-E-S-T-E-I-N for more of my content. If you are interested in my work, head over to my website, hollywoodreadings.com and send me an email. And I will say, as of this recording, I'm now booking for November and December and it will fill up really quickly because of the holidays. So um, if you are thinking you want to get some sort of information about your soul's journey or the invitation being issued by the circumstances of your life and you want to do that before the new year, definitely reach out to me. And that's it for now. I'll see you guys all on the flip side. Bye.